Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Creative Control with Beach Comic. Auntie Donahue is an esteemed journalist, columnist, and comedy writer based in Cambridge, Ontario. A bona fide social media superstar, Donahue covers music, television, fashion, film, feminism, and other topics, which she frames from her own compelling and witty perspective. She has worked for MTV, and she's contributed pieces to The Guardian, Cosmopolitan, Refinery29, and The Globe and Mail. And you might have seen her on uh, E's Celebrity Style Story. Or you might have heard her on the CBC radio show Q. Now, Anne first appeared on this show in 2013, and she was recently featured on a Long Night episode where we discuss social media and fame uh, with Nirvana the band The Show. She's currently writing a book for ECW Press called Nobody Cares. So, since we're both Cambridge people originally, she and I met at the 50s Grill in Delhi in Cambridge recently, and we had a deeply personal conversation that reveals a, a lot about her, a lot about me, and a lot about what she thinks of me, and what she thinks of you, and what she thinks of all of us. I found this very interesting. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is Auntie Donahue on the 340th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vishkana. Thank you, you very okay, much. Can you look at the menu, though? I have to look I at know the, what I want. Okay, sorry. Yeah, we're here at the... What is this place it's called? It's called 50s. 50s Deli. And you could have our breakfast special. The Amarillo's on for five forty nine. It's what I'm going to get, and it's delicious. You get two eggs, choice of toast, home fries and beans, and choice of bacon, sausage, or ham. What do you usually have? I go for the over-easy... I do bacon, white toast, and then I I ex-nay the beans. There's no beans because I don't get the texture. They weird. It weirds me out. All right, they're vegetarian beans. 
I, I just can't do it. Not, not today. No. But then that's like, it's such a, it lasts until like 1 p.m. like food-wise. Like you're not hungry. It's perfect. It's the best. It's like a massive dish of food. It's, it's like just like a diner delicacy. Oh, you know what I decided I'm going to do after this? I'm going to get um, a smoked meat sandwich and take it home. You're going to order a sandwich after breakfast? And take it home. Okay. And then put it in my fridge and then eat it at like 4 Wow. <laughs> Anne is, is a so Anne is a woman with a plan. She I knows. love meat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're getting the classic? I guess so. The armadillo? Oh, the, uh, amarillo. amarillo. You're not having the armadillo. I'm having an armadillo. <laughs> Maybe if we go scrabbling, we could have an armadillo. We could fry one up, That's throw nice. it out on the barb. What's well, you take your time? Well, I'm just curious about these 50s omelets because I didn't know omelets existed in the 50s. Oh. Cheese omelet. El Greco Greco made with uh, fresh spinach, tomato, feta cheese. Uh, Add fruit cup, yogurt, or cottage cheese. I'm not going to do that, I don't think. What does the omelet come with? The toast, home fries, and the beans. beans. I'm going to try that. You're doing it. I think. I kind of am a classic breakfast guy, too. That's just it. But you can always get a classic breakfast anywhere. If you're looking at the, if you're really toying with the omelet, my mom gets the omelet every time. She, she loves it. And then she takes it home and eats it later. At 4 p.m.? Well, it depends. On t- I mean, I have Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, I will try that. What the heck? Is that okay? That's just fine. You're going to go with the El Greco? The one you recommended, yeah. And what's your name again? Margo. Margo, and how long have you worked here? 17 years. 17 years? Are you from Cambridge? Not originally, but yes. Came here for Scotland when I was a wee lassie. Really? Three, I... We do have a lot of Scottish like bakeries and we a lot do. of stuff here. The Scot, the one in Preston is the best one though. It is the best one. It is so good. And I they're from it. Scotland there. I know. Yeah. They've been there for 20 years. I love it there. And when you go in, it's almost like a bakery equivalent of like Coronation Street. It is. Yeah. We're living Coronation Street in Preston. Though. And every day, and here right now, even if they did a podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, you, you've worked here for 17 years. Do you remember what this building has been in Cambridge Over before that? Years, when I was a little girl, about four years old, my dad used to take me here. It was the steakhouse. Ponderosa. My aunt worked Pond- here. Ponderosa Steakhouse. That's yeah. right. I, I used to come here, too. And then it was Red Lobster. And then Long John Silver, briefly. Was that a Long John Silver's? No, sorry. That's I'm so sorry. You're street, right. Honey. It was. I was too little. Long we John were... was in the in the plaza where the, uh, cons- beside the consumers distributing. Do you remember yes, that place? Yeah, and Color Your World. Dreaming. Dreaming and consumers for Christmas. I still believe in Santa. As you should. I do. Good. Would you like whole wheat or rye toast? Uh, I'll have the rye, please. Rye toast. And I've already brought you peanut butter marmalade. Oh, can I have extra strawberry jam, though? Of course. Thank you so much. Great, Margo. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Lovely host. Yes, you're like you are the host of this podcast now. He is resigning. With the most, you are both of those things. And I am a Zen waitress. You are very Zen. Are you feeling Zen? You're. I feel so very calm. Yeah. Thank you, Margo. Wow. I love it. I love this place. I love. I grew up coming to the 50s, like I said, skipping school to have the breakfast special with my fellow delinquents. That's a very 50s thing. You but were like a rebel without a... Kind of, but it looked different inside. Like where now it looks like a reasonable restaurant. It was everything, like every, all of the servers dressed in poodle skirts and there were records all over the place and like all the booths looked like the grease set. Um, and then they slowly got rid of that, but it was always very 
it was fun. One time I tried to ask for a businesswoman special, like in Romeo and Michelle's High School reunion, because I had had a mock trial that day. It was grade 12, and I was wearing, you had to wear your mock trial clothes. Uh-huh. And I was like, do you have a businesswoman special? And the woman was like, it was like Romy and Michelle. She's like, uh, kind of business you in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about this, and I don't know if you would have the answer, but what is it about the 50s? A lot of diners have this 50s motif. I don't know if that was the golden age of diners, because I feel like diners must have existed before. They oh, certainly sure. obviously existed after. But why the 50s? What was it about the 50s? Well, I mean, I don't think they want to reconstruct a 1940s diner because it's got the war right, oh, over, right after right. they go. Sure. 1930s are the Depression. The 1920s are jazz and like that's when you start to see more like jazz nightclubs and restaurants like that. Yeah. Those are like nighttime restaurants. I think the 50s are that like golden age of Americana that was terrible for everyone that wasn't a white rich man. Mm-hmm. But we like to romanticize it because yes. we don't like to know that, you know, all of these stars on the wall were, you know, indentured to uh, their studios and on a lot of speed. There's two Hepburns <laughs> on that wall that you just referred to. I Audrey believe. and Catherine. Audrey and Catherine. You got uh, Jerry and Dean over there. And then there's Marilyn Monroe over there. Oh, who, yeah. The poor woman was like clearly battling a lot of demons and yet we uh prayed in front of the camera and now attribute a decade to her yes exactly yes. it's very strange it's very strange i mean that being said it's a delicious restaurant no i'm not trying to i'm not i'm not disparaging the restaurant no. i just wonder about this motif but i think you're you're probably right there was some i mean we have been hearing a lot about how a certain uh country wants to make itself great again oh yeah and we did see that lovely news alert pop up like minutes ago yes that the uh, the supreme court of america uh is uh, going to actually allow parts of the trump travel brand to go into effect and we'll hear the full case in october i that's very that's very 50s that that's super 50s <laughs> um and only though in the 50s everyone like i mean it would somehow be equally bad, but also worse, but also less bad. And you know what I mean? The 50s said that, like, everything was worse and terrible, but now we're really making America equally bad and yeah, terrible. Yeah, I associate the 50s with the movie Back to the Future. Yeah, I actually just rewatched Mulaney's uh, special. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that is, I, it's all I can do not to completely plagiarize it right now, to be like... This is the comeback kid. He does a whole thing about how bizarre a premise Back to the Future is. That special, by the way, is it without fail will make me laugh until I'm crying. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so good. And then you'd ask me if I watched Oh Hello, and I did, yeah. and I laughed equally hard. Yeah. I'm really sad I didn't get to see. I actually had tickets to go to Hamilton in December, and I was going to grab a ticket to Oh Hello, but then... Oh, oh then, the, just to be clear, the theatrical production of Hamilton, you didn't have tickets to go to the city of no, Hamilton. No, I went to the city of Hamilton on Saturday just on my own. <laughs> just I just went for it. I dared a dream. I so went, you wanted to see Oh Hello in New York? I was going to, and then um, my uncle got very sick and oh. died very quickly. So I, th- And that's not fun to be on a vacay when someone's in the hospital. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still sorry. <laughs> well, I, you did it. It's your fault. You killed him. No. And that was, I mean... I, I did not do that. It's not funny. And you're laughing, and I don't know why it took you this long to apologize, but I here you did. are. Actually, I think I extended anyway. Yeah, I don't know why I'm implicating myself in <laughs> Listen, this. Listen, I mean, you're incriminating every every word you say is a further yeah, incrimination yeah. of what you've done, but that's okay. Yeah, his well, ghost will catch up to you. I know you're a big Mulaney fan and a big Nick Kroll fan. Yes, they're so funny. 
They, John was just on the show. I know he was. Um, I haven't gotten to listen to it yet because lately I've been listening to almost exclusively murder podcasts. Yes, I saw you tweet or Facebook about that. I That's love all it. you do. Yeah, love murder. Wait, wait, what are some of the ones you've been listening to? My favorite murder. Do you listen? You would find it funny, I think. I uh, would find. Well, because it's Karen, murder podcast funny. You would find this one funny. It's uh, Karen Kelgaroff and Georgia Hardstark, and there and Karen wrote on Mr. Show. Right. So they're both comics, and they're brilliant, and they each take turns sharing like a murder story. But there's, while well, ve- being very respectful to the story and to the victim, etc. It'd be like if we were talking about a murder case where you're just like, you feel like you're chatting with friends. But then there's like over-sensational ones like Sword and Scale that I stopped listening to because I honestly feel like the host is like getting off on it. <laughs> Sword and Scale? Yeah. Oh. He'll be like, in 1985. It's like, okay, you're not special, so you need to stop immediately. <laughs> well, this, you know, I've I've endured this too. I think I'm on the other side of it. Some, and you used to host a podcast, or do I you did. still? I mean, I, there's a something maybe in development right now that oh. might be tied to my book, oh. but I also feel like this that whole industry moves so slowly that um, and not like it's not no one's fault. It's just because of the like publishing legal. industry. No, um, well, it's I. I mean, I won't get into it because nothing's if I haven't signed anything or whatever. But it's like legal takes a long time. Uh, contracts take a long time. Right. Then you go back and forth with contracts, and right. then. This is the most boring podcast now ever because of me talking about contracts. What I was going to say before I cut myself off was that you, because of this podcast culture, the fact that almost anyone can do it. Anyone. Almost. Yeah, pretty much anyone. You just need a computer and a, hopefully a mic. People don't even need microphones. They just talk into their computers. But my point is you can get delusional about your own self-worth and start to think that, uh, you know, you're special. Well, uh, do you have that? No, I think I uh, I have come to terms with the fact that I think when you were when you were first on the show, which was about four years ago, it was right around when it started. I think I was operating from a place of uh, I was wounded. I was psychically wounded. Really? I think so. I, I mean, I was trying to really assert myself after uh, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. You we know? did have a talk about that. I remember over yeah. eggs. Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. were on the show. I think ostensibly you and I were on to talk about the series finale of Breaking Bad. Oh, my God. Nine million years ago. Yes, exactly. Yes, in the but, 50s we talked about that. <laughs> but I do think that uh, I'm trying to get more... I'm trying to be more conscious of that. I think I was a little more... I was a little... I was pushy. I was trying to push myself as a person, uh, not just the... Uh, I've always prided myself on having people like you on and letting you speak and, and hoping that you are... Hopefully the the subject is very fascinating and they have the space to talk about themselves and their work. But in certain episodes, in certain days, that gets away from me. You were turning into Mark Maron? Uh, I hope I wasn't that. (laughs) No offense to Mark. I mean, obviously Mark is a guy who changed things, right? He did change things. I just laughed because I remember I um, before I just exclusively listened to murder podcasts, like a very interesting human being. Sometimes you're like, who's interviewing who here in this podcast? Yes. That's fine. Which is fine. That's fine. That's right. okay. And that's why I don't have an interviewee podcast because I can't. It's the same reason why I can't write television. I can't collaborate. Well, okay. So you're speaking to the same thing that I'm struggling or that I think I'm, like I say, I think I'm past it because I try to be as self-aware as possible. Correct. But you're saying for yourself, you would assert yourself more into an interview than the subject so the subject wouldn't have enough space 
I do think that one of the beauties of this dynamic and the long-form interview is that as the interviewer, you want to relate to someone. So if they start talking about their kid or their, their, their quest to reorganize their closet space, which is what I'm doing that now. Ooh. I was at Home Depot and I, I was just staring at stuff. Humble brag. Yeah, wow. No, Amazing. I'm just trying. I'm just trying. What I'm saying is if someone says something like that and you have a relatable experience, I would think it behooves you as a human being to say, like, I can relate to that. My kids don't sleep or I don't have time to cook sometimes. You know, like, that's... That's, that's different. That's a conversation. Yes. You don't want it to turn into, like... I mean, it's your... But the thing is, I mean, I know I... Now I'm going to have, like, like Mark Maron will, like, email me and be like, it really hurt me, you person I've never met, that you made fun of my podcast that's incredibly popular and I'm very rich. Um, <laughs> I feel, though, like, you ha- because your name's attached to this, though, yes. you do get to kind of call the shots, right? So yeah. it's like, say somebody really hated WTF, right? Like, someone yeah. really hated it. And then they went on, and it was the podcast that everybody knows that it is. And they were like, he made it all about himself, man. And it'd be like, well, that's what his podcast, like, he set you, he signed up for that. Like, you signed up for that. Yeah. So I think, like, if you truly were like, I want to talk about my closet decor, I'd be like, well, this is going to be so boring for yes, every person. Right. And I probably won't share it. But if you want to do this on this recording yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I, over the last couple of years, I've really streamlined it so that it's really about the guest. And I'm trying to hang back a lot more. And that's just, that's, is this ironic that I'm talking about myself? Do you want to know what's funny? I feel though like I sometimes, when I have conversations with people, some of my friends have been like, I don't understand what it is, but I could like sit across from you and then all, I don't mean to. And all of a sudden I've told you all my secrets. And I'm like, my dad's that way too. So I think it's just like, I, I think, I like to think that. I create a, we create comfortable spaces. Yes. It's like feel free to talk, and I won't go anywhere except you are talking to something that's going to go on the internet. So like, don't tell me any secrets sure. until the mics are off, sure. and then I'll use them against you later. Right. But I mean, you're not. It's fine. We're talking about self awareness, and self awareness is important. And I think when you compare maybe now to four years ago, I think like a lot has changed, and we've you have you have an additional child now, which yes. is insane. That's what we call her, the additional child. The additional child. Yeah. And, you, like, I, my career, like, everything, things change. You have perspective. Yes. And perspective is very important. Yeah. And sometimes that, the most valuable perspective is knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at. And, like, if you're good at having a conversation with people, then you've done a good job, you know, with this podcast. And I know that I am not good at working with people, so I should never work with people. I feel like you sell yourself short there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Here's the thing. I'm good at like working with an ed. I'm good at working with editors because yeah. I understand that hierarchy and they're my bosses. Yeah. I'm good at something like this because again, I'm like I understand how this works. I am a guest on your podcast. Right. As soon as it's a group dynamic, I will hijack it everything, and I will make it miserable for everyone involved. Oh, I'm sorry. What Margot just showed up. What's going on? I tried your coffee yet? I thought it was actually quite delicious. What is it? Uh, where can you tell us more about the coffee? Well, it's always fresh at 50. It's nice, isn't it? I actually quite like it. It's got a mildness to it. It's not overpowering, but I feel like it's doing, you know, the job that coffee should do in my system. Waking you up, giving you appetite. Things won't be long. Thank you so much, Margo. Thank you very much. Lovely. She's great. She's great. But I think last time I saw you, I wasn't quite aware. I'm like, why don't I like writing... Had I written for Spin Out yet? I had. I had done that. This is the first time you've ever said their name. Oh, yeah. 
I wrote you, for them. Because you, you and I just did a thing uh, for my TV talk show. We did. And you talked about how you've been writing for a comedy show and you hated it. Hated but you it. you never cited their name. Yes. That's the first time you said that. I did. And yeah. you know, I don't know at this point. <laughs> I'm going to be careful with my words. I, it was very generous for them to give me that, that job. In retrospect, there are some things that... Uh, this age and stage in my career, I probably would have been like, um, this is weird. What do you mean? Um, I mean, they were just like, I'll, I, I was, uh, again, you're like, I don't want to, I don't know what I, what I legally, nothing, nothing, no, like a harassment or anything legally. like that. Oh, I just boy. like, I don't know if I can talk about rages, wages or like, or hours or like oh, all that, like, oh. or the minutia of like what was going on. That I, think, I had nothing to be honest. Uh, you know, one of the things I like talking to you about is your work in, as a comedy writer, as a writer on TV shows, because it's a world I'm totally fascinated with, but I don't actually have a lot of insights yeah, into it. Here. Oh, wow. Look at that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I never want to write on television again. Because I yeah. am not. Uh, the idea that you're. This is going to sound petty, and I don't care because I am petty. Um, <laughs> Self-awareness. Hi, I want my name on the shit that I write, yes, and like yeah. I, you, and it's like that Mad Men quote where he's like, "It is absolutely like embarrassing that in this stage in your career you're counting your ideas." When he says that to Peggy, yes, but that's the thing. I do want, I want my name on the shit that I do, and I find that you can't have that in a television show. It says written by, but. It's I, like if you read a piece that I've written, you know exactly. Yeah, I've yeah, written yeah. All it's an it. a TV show is an amalgam of several. And voices. I hate that. I won't. I'm not a sharer. Is that an ego? Probably, but I don't care. It's huh. who I am. I'm fine with that. You want? Okay. I want. I want credit, and I want attention, and that's why I write in the way that I do. And I and I feel very like I feel comfortable that I've written about that many yeah. times. Yeah. Um, where you almost feel like well is this bad and it's like no it's super good that you know this because there are people who want to write for TV so fucking badly and they want to collaborate and they want to be they're improvisers and they're good at that but who would I be to take like a job away from them to just sit there and be like well I did it but I didn't like it and I don't want to write like this but here I am anyways do you think that that acknowledgement and overt thirstiness that you just sort of Mm. There's a difference between thirst and recognition. Okay. You feel like... Thirst is when you're, like, trying to get... I think, Margo, I think we did, yeah. Enjoy. You like hot sauce, HP sauce? Okay, for now, yeah, thanks. Thank you so much, Margo. And there's the beans. Yes, I see them. Is that what those are? Thanks. (laughs) Thirst is, like, I think... Thirst is... You can feel it off somebody. Like there's, it's like that desperate feeling to be recognized for almost nothing or who they know. Or like those are the people that like to drop the famous people that they know. Sure. Or those are the people that, um, it. There's a. I don't know. I think there's like, I call it the Alexander Hamilton complex because have you're you, really obsessed with Hamilton. It really. It's so good, and I think people who actually, re, not related to the whole story, but could relate to parts of him, where it's like. Have you heard the whole soundtrack? No, I haven't. Okay, so, I mean, first of all, write that wrong immediately. I have a slight, uh, I don't know. I, I, You know me a little bit. I'm a little cynical of the Hamilton thing. It's perfect. I've seen the clips. I've seen the perform, some of the performance well, things. Well, if anything, read the lyrics because it's okay. like, 
they, I mean, he comes from nothing and like transplants himself in the U.S. of A. And his whole thing is like he's written his way out of poverty. He's written his way out into like this new world. He wrote himself like through revolution. Well, you mean the actual biographical information about Alexander Hamilton? I mean, you can do both. There's like a book that amalgamates both things. Okay. So in this case, though, he ends up like the whole. There's this whole song where. Aaron Burr, who's his nemesis, is like, how, like, why do you write like you're running out of time? And his whole thing is like, I, there's a million things I haven't done. I want to do all of these things. I want my name on this. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, like, it's me doing all of it. And, like, that I related to a lot because it's like I, there are things that, like, when I look at what I'd like my career to be, and I don't even 100% know what that looks like, to be honest, I do know that I, I know what I don't want. As I mean, much as I know what I like, you know what I mean. Like, not knowing, no, know, knowing what you do not want is just as important as knowing what you want. But most people would see, like you say, maybe when you were younger and the people from that show came to you, you'd be like, "Holy shit! Like, I'm going to write for a TV show." Yeah, and I did think that. But now, so you had that experience on this Canadian TV show. Mm-hmm. You're saying that you know yourself now well enough that what if a giant, um, like, what if the funniest show? On I've TV- been asked by other shows. And I've said no. American shows? Um, to submit a writer's packet, yeah. And, and I was like, I don't want to do this. You learned that about yourself. I know myself. I know my gut feelings, and I listen to them. Have you thought about running your own show? Writing your own show? No. I don't want to do that. Because you, again, time. have to compromise your vision. Sometimes. And I think, like, I just... I mm. maybe, maybe in 10 years, maybe. But there's so... You have to love that because it's your life. Like, you have to, like... You are on set... First thing in the morning, you're there till the bitter end. It's a job. Everything you're leading that show. And the thing is, writing the way I do it has become a real job. I wake up and I write almost all day. Last month, on top of writing the book, I think I wrote like 45 essays. So I am constantly working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I, I know what I'm good at, and it's like I'm good at talking, and I'm good at like totally great at talking. Great at talking. I'm great at writing. I'm not great at, like, I'm I'm bossy, and not in a way that's conducive to uh, teamwork, because it's just, and I've always been like that. Yeah. But I don't think I, I think I saw it so much as a bad thing, because little girls are kind of, not by my parents, but like, you know, you're told to be a certain way. You're told to be a little more complacent and polite and blah, 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 blah. And little boys who have ambition are like celebrated, oh my God. Right. Because if, if you were sitting across from a guy and a guy was telling you what he was telling you, there would be like people being like, oh, of course. Well, that's so great that he knows he does. He's like, he's he'll do it himself. It'll be great. But there's something like where it's like, oh, a girl wants that. That's I don't. Know. I have found that there's been some people that are like, oh, when you've expressed this in the past, yeah. people are like, oh, yeah, like, and, and you think there's a, I think there's a weird divide. Not a, not a massive one, but it is like there's an undercurrent to it. Certainly, right. Like when you say to someone like, I don't want to share attention, and like. People will be like, well, that's like diva. Like, it's a bit of a diva. Well, but I mean, a lot of guys are like that. Kanye. I'm not like Kanye, but he would be like, a lot, like, lauded for that. Sure, not sure. Not that I am like Kanye. Let's make that very clear. Uh, you're a little bit like Kanye. I love him. I think he's genius. I do too. Yeah, he's perfect. It's, it's harder to reconcile based on some of the things he does and says. That's true. But also, I think that might be an arm of something that we can't see I think he a lot of okay so you mentioned Kanye yes I think armchair psychologists would say a lot of his assertion of himself at the root of it is insecurity is some of that true of you 
Miss Self-Aware Auntie Donahue, if I may? Like, you, you know yourself. I can I tell that. I know myself. Um, there, everyone has insecurities. Not like, me. No, I'm, you're, I'm not, fine. you're free of that. I'm totally You liberated free. yourself? <laughs> no. That's amazing. No, no, it's true. It's, by the way, this is amazing. I know. This omelet is, like, perfectly prepared. I know. And uh, this chef should not be insecure because they know they exactly not. what they're doing. But the thing is, I don't trust anyone that doesn't have insecurities to them. Because, honestly, every day, at least once, I will convince myself that... Like, as soon as this essay is done, as soon as the book is done, or as soon as this cool thing has happened, everyone will catch on and I'll never write again. Like, everyone has something like that in their head. Yeah. Um, but the key is, like, you just, I think you have to, like, parlay that into, cool, well, everybody has insecurities, so that's a non-thing. Yeah. And then embrace the part of you that's like, no, fuck you, I can do this. Right. And right. it helps that, like, I don't know. I was talking about this actually with Carly Lewis last t- um, Saturday. She's a music writer. She's a essayist, music Essay, writer. Yeah. Um, is she j- journalist? She's brilliant writer. She's been on the show too. Has she? Oh, she's so good. Yeah. I, I read her stuff and I'm like, fuck you. You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so she's glad great. you're my friend. Otherwise, I would. Pro- no, I'd just be jealous of you. That's right. how it would happen. Right. I will have more coffee if that's okay. Things are still good. Things are so Amazing. Good. You're very attentive. Thank you. I'm okay. I'm still nursing the coffee. I've had. I'm kind of a. No, no, it's fine. No, I. I'm, I made my coffee. I'm gonna. Um, lay in we it. were talking about this where. Um, she was. We were, there was like a, a bigger conversation being had, but like a kernel of the conversation was when we were talking about insecurities of like when you find out maybe someone doesn't like you or when somebody like in, yeah. a, in like the writing community like you're not feeling included or whatever yet like just like that kind of stuff yeah and then I said to her I'm like here's the thing though when I started writing I really wasn't embraced by that community like I I think there were there were individuals who were very who who gave me jobs which I appreciate and will always, always be grateful for but I was never included in like I was not at any, like, of those music parties. I wasn't, like, part of a journalist circle. I was largely... There were other sects of the industry where I straight up would be like, oh, did you get invited to that thing? And I was like, nope. And so that I think there's something about that, like, when that happens, when you're kind of, like, also finding your footing, that you can kind of go one of two ways, like, of, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Like, oh, my God. And then the other part of you kind of goes in the... Well, fuck you. I'm well, watch a, me do this I'm going to prove myself. And that's kind of where that went. And that's why I think it's like, because it's also super lonely when you're doing that. You're like, this sucks because yeah. here's all these cool people getting together. And like, I, they obviously do not care for me, which is fine. And that's like, and not in the music industry, just in other parts of it. And it's, you have a choice to have a pity party or you can look around and be like, well, I know who my true friends are and yeah. I love them and yeah. they're like family. And now I'm going to use this because I'm not going to distract myself with like weird allegiances and alliances and I'm just going to keep going, keep my eyes on my own paper, pull the Don Draper, I don't think about you at all. And then it forces you to know yourself and to be like, well, do I like me? And th- yeah, so. So, okay, you, you alluded to the fact that some people have reacted to your openness about asserting yourself and, and some people have attributed, or rather some people have absorbed it from a sexist lens. So like it's, it's a very... Uh-huh unusual for a woman to do this I understand exactly where you're coming from the other side of it is and this is totally a cliche and a stereotype being Canadian and being kind of 
assertive about yourself is something that in the, in the fabric of our <laughs> mythology is not considered, you know, appropriate. People, Canadians supposedly, are uh, a little more reserved, a little more modest. Uh, you're, you know, he, you and I are here in Cambridge, Ontario, where we were both. Uh, born and raised. Born, well, I was born in Kitchener. I just want to be clear. But I was raised here. I don't know why. I think my parents were at the mall. Fairview? I think so. Oh, I don't know why I was born. I have no idea why I was born in Kitchener. I love it. I was premature, too. There were complications. Really? I, I almost didn't make it. But my point is, is there anything about this? You grow, you're, you're living in, a, in a, a smaller town. You're not living in Toronto uh, or New York or L.A. or whatever. Do you have an underdog thing because of that? I mean, that is also, I, sh I believe, plays into it. I remember being almost embarrassed about where I was from when I first started writing and coming to Toronto for shows and stuff. And um, I remember a couple writers would, and they were dudes, would be like, oh my God, like Cambridge, like blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what? In retrospect, like who makes fun of a, of a place? Like what the fuck is wrong with you? But at the time, I was so new and green and like, wanted to be I was like Michael Scott I have to be liked I need to be liked <laughs> yeah and that you that I, I became very embarrassed about where I was from and I would dismiss it a lot and then I wrote really mean things about it public? Um, like in public yeah and like I obviously have like acknowledged those things in my own writing now like being like that was a because that's why I like the newsletter so much because it's like just a space to like whatever um but there was that kind of under I don't know like I I think when you have an idea of where you want your job to go and who you like, like what you like, like I think when you have introspection, I think forces your hand to decide who you're going to be in a way that's like you can't apologize for it and you can't go back it for it. It kind of transcends your origin and space, like yes. your place, I think. Yeah, and like I think also when you take time and like I mean fuck the last four years have been a lot of shit's gone down and a lot of shit went down in the last six years and it forced for, for you personally for me personally right. that forced me to look at like who I am oh there's a birthday behind us should we go crash it they look like there's a cake but not a full cake just a slice we'll of cake do we'll all get a cake oh a slice of cake do you think Margo would give us a cake I bet she would actually don't ask yet Margo I'm not gonna ask I was just talking to my son I'm about how you... i ask what kind of cake it is. Oh, and then just see what yeah. happens. You're very sharp. I know. You get <laughs> by in the world with your street smarts and your grit, and you get things done. That's what I think. Well, thank you, because, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people, I think what I'm describing is not original to me or unique to me in any way. A lot of people go through something similar. They especially go through it when they start going to therapy and like not drinking anymore because you have to look at like all of a lot, a lot of extenuating circumstances yeah and then you really have to be like am i fine with myself and i always think about that john candy bit and planes trains and automobiles right where he's like i like me yeah and i i, I do so even though i know that i might sound like brassy or bossy or like bitchy or like whatever I like me, and my family likes me, and my best friends like me, so everyone else can go to the devil. I was thinking about that the other day when I was trying to break down the way we, we perceive comedians and comedic writers. Mm -hmm. There's a sense that they come from a, 
you, you were talking earlier about how comedians doing a murder podcast kind of makes sense because who else uh, in their everyday work invokes death and murder as just a trope, like a comedy, like I, you know, and then I murdered my son. A comedian can just say that and then move on like it's nothing. Uh, but I do think that I was thinking about myself and my forays into comedy. That's the title of my memoir. Just thinking about myself. <laughs> right, right. Because I some I struggle with uh, how to because uh, uh, I, I think I have some comedic impulses, but I struggle with being funny. <laughs> and You're I think funny. well, then I'm not, I'm not fishing here. I just mean I was thinking about because you and I have worked together a little bit, and I think you've pushed back on me when I've tried to be. I think a little shocking and you're like that's just not that's not gonna work and I'm like you're right and I think that we think comedians there's certain comedians who can get away with being shocking and dark uh, and evil in some cases like in a charming way and when I was thinking about it the other day I think like the comedians I admire who are adept at that I actually think they fundamentally really like themselves like there's a joy in it whereas on some occasions when I'm trying to do something similar and I don't have that many occasions to do it I don't do stand-up but when I try to I'm like when I step back now and look at it I'm like I think all of that was actually just legitimately coming from us maybe a place of self-loathing or a darker place there wasn't that joy and I have joy you have joy but I also I mean how deep do you want to go here why I, why no I, yeah. I think you have a sadness to you that I can't put my finger on but Me? I feel like yeah. I've like recognized it mm-hmm um, for a long time, but I think being older and being able to see things a little bit differently and, um, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think you've got a sadness. I do. And I don't know. And I don't, I'm not going to pry, but like, I will say that. I like, don't know where it comes from either. You're just, yeah. And I think that is. That could be an obstacle. That could be an obstacle yeah. because I think like. It's Kurt Cobain's fault. It's Kurt Cobain's fault. <laughs> I mean, I remember. <laughs> I know. I, I think you're right. And I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Like I, I'm there's something in here that is precluding me from truly expressing joy. I try to find the joy, but, uh, and there's it's, lots to be joyous about. I know. I wonder if it's, but the, co- the comedy I've often gravitated towards also, uh, is a little morbid or it's a little cynical. You know, See, my surrogate dad was David Letterman essentially. Right. And I don't so, know if you've read the new book. No, man. Uh, it does a number on you if you love Dave because Dave just was, just an isolated guy who alienated himself from everyone he worked with because he was miserable. He was miserable in his life. Are you miserable? No. Is there a kernel of miserableness to you? There, well, there's something. I'm not like you. I uh, am not, or like you used to be. I don't think this is true of you now based on things you've been saying. I don't think I'm doing what I should be doing in my life. I was going to say that's why I think you're sad. But I also don't exactly know what that thing is. And I think that's what's making you sadder. I also think you do know <laughs> what it is, but you're afraid because everybody knows in their gut what they want. They're just afraid. It's scary though. It's really I remember thinking that I was doing something wrong because I was turning down offers for like do you want to send a packet? Have you ever thought about writing for TV? Would you ever And I was like, I had I don't my every part of my gut feeling is like I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then I was like, well, then what do I want? Like, what, like, whose career do I model then after? And then it's when you're like, oh, you don't, you don't do that. You just, you follow like what you want. And 
of course there's going to be stuff that I write that I'm like, this is definitely for a paycheck, but I would like to yeah. make sure I can make my car payments for like a little while. Yeah. Like not everything's perfect. No one's career is perfect. No one has a perfect time. But it's when you finally are like, like, like I said, list, like what you don't, eliminating what you don't want is just as freeing as deciding what you do want. Right. And like, it can be equally scary too, because there's kind of this trajectory, right? Like you're funny on Twitter. You start writing for stuff. Someone fi- like finds you, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. You write for a TV show. Then you start your own TV show or you start. It's like, that's yeah. what the trajectory is supposed to be. Right. But I didn't want that. And realizing I didn't want that as like, well, then what do I want? Was just so as like, oh my God, I know I don't want that. Yeah, but the things you're talking about are fly in the face of pragmatism. Like you're, you're turning down money, you're turning down, you're doing things that make you happy in, mm-hmm. in your creative expression. And as far as I know, you live with your parents. Well, I'm also waiting for something to, be, to open up. There's this building that I'm eyeing. Oh, sorry. So. I didn't mean I was yeah, making I'm a Yeah, like, sli- I'm not like freeloading off I'm my I'm making a slight joke. Yeah. But uh, all I was going to say in juxtaposition is that I've always, always, always not relied on my skill set to sustain me. You relied on? I think that my skills, if, if I'm on, if I'm having a good day, I'm also a writer and I can, every once in a while I do something that I'm quite proud of, but I don't do it every day like you do it. And uh, I've always had a job. I've always tried to keep a job until I eventually got a job where that's all I did all day and I got good money and I didn't have to have a side job. I was just writing and broadcasting every day. And then when that went away, uh, I don't know the sadness thing. Did you think it was always there? Or did you think it's been in the last few years? As long as you've known me. Because you came and talked to me in like 2010. And um, and you... I remember you... It's so weird um, <laughs> because I was I was so I was so young. We were all so young. Um, I think you you were touring with that band, and I think there was a part of you that felt this is going to sound so weird. I'm so sorry. Go for it. It's like what happens when I read tarot cards, where I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I think you felt a bit fraudulent in that, like oh. you were celebrating it, but also had that kernel of like, should I be? What, should I be playing drums on this bench? Sure, I'll have a bit more. Oh, I, pardon? I know, oh, thanks, I know. Thanks, Marco. That would make for a bad podcast if we just stopped talking and That and would, be. Well, it would be... It would make for a bad podcast if we stopped talking. Well, you have to talk, but just take turns. Okay, you have a bite. You have your opinion, and back and forth, life's good, right? I'm letting Anne do most of the talking. That's why her food is getting colder than mine. Will you talk on, honey? You let it out. Thank you. All right. I didn't feel fraudulent, I don't think. I mean, I... You really skirted a lot of questions about it, and I remember... About playing music? A little bit. You well, were really sense it matters to you, and I think that's why it was that... Not fraud... Now, now, I say that, not fraud... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. felt like you didn't want to be, you belong there. It was something you loved to do. And I think when anybody's doing something they love to do, there's a little part of you that's so afraid it's going to go away or someone's going to come up and be like, hey, by the way, we just realized you fucking suck at this. Right. Peace. Right. I remember hanging up on that and then... You know what it was also? What? I had pulled a slight fast one on my employers because I had convinced them. <laughs> so, PPS, can we just cite that I was right about the word fraud then? Can a little we, a bit. Little, thank you. I, was, I, I had done that. That trip was a bit nerve-wracking because I had convinced my work, which was a broadcasting company, the CBC, that I could go across Canada and tour but also maintain my job with them. Because the touring thing was just a thing that I got, I got asked to do. I didn't want to take a vacation. I thought it would be interesting to document the whole trip and share that. that. Yeah, that. and share that with my listeners because I had a morning show. And uh, it caused a bit of tension. So I think I was just like, yeah, I'm going to play drums, but I'm also doing my job. And that duality, I feel like that kind of like, it's probably true. The dream would be to just play drums or the dream would be to just be a broadcaster. I think part of the sadness of not of myself is that I've always been a generalist and I've done too many things. Like you know yourself. Most people would be like, you can be an essayist, you can write on a TV show. You can do everything. You can do all of it, but you're like, No, I know what I'm good at. I think you know I think you're saying, I think I know what I'm good at. I think I know what I'm good at. I think I know what I want. Like I know what I will say yes to. I know what I won't say yes to. I also know that like like a stupid other lessons like you don't need to be an asshole you can be yeah. super kind and kindness isn't yeah um like but that's a that's a lesson you don't know that i think when you're you're like well i'll be tough i'll seem like me. and there's a difference between toughness and grit and being a fucking dick right but you don't you have to learn all that and you also have to bottom a lot and i've done that a lot right so i think like that like when you've had the rug pulled out from you so many times and i was raised like we didn't have money like I may be at my parents' house, but, like, they don't help me financially. No, no, I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to say that disparagingly. But, like, yeah, they don't, like, there's I, never been that. I was, I was only going to say that as a dad with a, I'm married with kids and mm -hmm. I have a mortgage. And so the notion of being like, I know what I'm good at. I'm just going to chase that at my age now seems not practical. Like, I would be leaving, I, it would be stressful. Re yes, and that's fair. Yeah. 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 Um I mean I moved home like over twenty grand in debt and had no ability yeah. to pay for that. So yeah. I was like and my parents have never lent me money. So it was also like So a pragmatic move as well and Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. I also lost my apartment. Like I didn't have a choice. Right. So it was like there was a lot that happened in twenty eleven that was fucking terrible. Right. Um and twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. I always tell anyone that in turn twenty seven, I'm like, Well, Good luck, and if you need anything, <laughs> they were the worst three years of my life, right. but congratulations. No, I, I do think the fraudulent thing is, is something to be mindful of, but I I will say, uh, yeah, I there's a sadness, and I don't know what to do about it. But Well, I mean... You deserve to be happy. Like, people deserve to be happy. You yeah. deserve. I know you are happy. Like, I know you love Michelle, and I know you love your kids, yeah. and I know you like when cool things. I know you love this podcast. I think you genuinely really like it. Yeah. Um, I wish it was. I always, like you, 
I want, there's part of me, as much as I've reconciled myself to be like, it's okay if you're kind of a background guy, you know? But the other side of me wants to be known as a really, I can't help, I'll just be frank with you. You're Maybe, allowed that. Yeah, and since you already said you want to be the the best anti-Donahue you can be, I will say I want to be the best Vishkana I could be. I want to be, I want to be known for being good at this. Probably on some level. Then I honestly, it's so it's like the only thing that you can do is just do it. Then that's for what I'm. I know. Forever. Yeah, and I, like, I am. Yeah. And, I, and I have moments where things do well and things feel like they're in a good place, and then I have disappointments as well. But everyone has that. I uh, still have that. I don't think you have that. I do have that. You're always happy. That's a great mask I put on even when I was grappling with, like, crazy mania and depression. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone yeah. thought it was all together then. I'm not, you know, you say sadness. I'm not, I don't think I'm doing that badly in terms of mental health. Um, no. It's just that, so it's like a little, um, it's almost like when you, like, those those old lights in, like, the 1800s. Like, the little gas lights. They're tiny, like, the yeah. little tiny things. Um, it's always, it's like a little lantern. Well, but I also feel like you have, because you've been good at stuff, people have come to you with opportunities. But that, that took 10 years. But that's happened to me, too. Like, I'm not a chaser. When people are like, what do you want? Like, people probably to this day are like, well, what do you really want to do? And you, you were just saying, like, I don't exactly, I think you said, I don't exactly know what I want to do all the time. No, of course. There's days where I'm like... I want to write a thousand books. And then I'm like, oh, but I also really like um, the series I do for Flair. Like, it'd be fun to do more of that kind of stuff. And yeah. then it's like, oh, but I really do like writing for different magazines and newspapers. I like, But I don't, but I think it's so oddly limiting to be like, I will do, like, I think I, I think you can just have goals. And it doesn't, it's like, they're not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. One of your goals might happen tomorrow. And it might be 15 years before your next goal happens. Yeah. Tomorrow. You just, it's like, I think it's reconciling that you're doing, you're doing yourself a service. Like you're doing, you're doing justice to yourself and to who you would like to be. And well, you have to find your confidence. And I think that's that, the other thing. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, I always, it's such a weird thing to think about when you think about like a superhero book, a superhero movie, whatever. No one, like, none of the protagonists are just, like, woke up one day and are like, well, here's my sick life that I have. I'm <laughs> going to save the world. Right. Everyone has a tragic backstory. And I don't think you need to over-romanticize tragedy because I think that's super played out and I hate it. It's annoying. Yeah. But I think that there is certainly something to say for, like, having your ass handed to you on, a sev on several occasions and yeah. being like, Oh, that was awful. Or like having life like slap you in the face. Right. I mean, the same. I literally got like I literally went into ECW three days after my uncle's funeral in December. Like it was like one of the it's literally been like it's tit for tat in this horrible way sometimes where you're just like, wow, that was the worst fucking week of my life. Because he was like a dad who like was the person who told me to keep writing. Even my own dad was like, maybe get a real job. Yeah. And then that gets taken away. And then three days later, you're sitting your 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 dreams are coming true yeah. and you're like this is weird <laughs> and then more stuff happens and then like it, i think as soon as like nothing it, it's always going to be hard i think realizing that life and work and your dreams and your goals are always going to be really difficult 
then it's very freeing. Yeah, and I do think that, uh, and I'm not trying to, uh, I don't know, relinquish responsibility for my own fate, mm -hmm. but like you say, life happens at you in a weird way, Where and that's where I was going with whatever I was talking about earlier. Like, on some level, in my youth, I would push and assert myself upon editors or press outlets to be like, hey, I really want to contribute to your thing or and you know five out of ten would be like great let's get going let's yeah let's work together I'm more inclined to be like let's just see what happens like I'm gonna make these podcasts I'm gonna write some articles they seem to every once in a while lead to something lead to something like I'm putting that in air quotes I don't know what that means but we also, in terms of media stuff, we're it's so saturated now. There's so many people like you and me. I mean, you're more talented than a lot of them. Uh, that's nice, but I don't think that's true. I think there's some talented motherfuckers that will like rise up, and I'll be yeah, like, "Damn, yeah, yeah fine, yeah. give me your job." <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I guess uh, my point is, I don't know if it's just my age versus your age, and I don't, I don't think you're not. I, we're both hustling on some level, but I don't know that I have a plan. When you talk about sadness or whatever going on here I don't know that I have a plan like I don't know ultimately like you said I don't you don't know what exactly what you want to do it's starting to weigh on me that I don't exactly know what I want to do you know what though I think like I remember last summer actually a year ago like this like today ish like around this time yeah um, I got hit with a really bad flu and then I got hit with another very bad flu at like within like succession. So I was sick for t I was out for two weeks. Uh -huh. Couldn't eat. Was super ill. Hmm. Um, and then realized while lying motionless in front of the television, wondering if maybe this is how I die. I was like, "You have the only thing you've been stressing out over now is like I think I had like a Toronto Life piece that was due, and it was like a list. Like it wasn't a thing, yeah. but I was obsessing over it. Like, what am I going to get it done?" Oh my god, blah, blah, blah. And my, my, I was talking to my mom, and she's like, what the, f like, it, it's going to be fine. Why are you doing this? Like, you can't, what are you doing? And it was this, like, aha moment where I'm like, I've been working myself to the point of, like, I'm having anxiety attacks regularly. And I'm, like, a very internal person. So, like, no one, like, I could be having one right now, and you wouldn't know. Like, where you're just, like, in your head, your narrative is like, oh, my god, oh, my god, oh, my god. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, just breathe, and you'll be fine. Yeah. But I was working myself to the point of like having insane anxiety, making myself so sick. I couldn't eat. My stomach was a mess for oh. like almost a year. Oh. And then I had like July 1st weekend happened and I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. For the summer, I basically subscribed to your, the way you do stuff where I was like, things are just going to like happen. I have my MTV column. I have my 29 Secrets column. I'm not going to pitch. Yeah. I'm just going to sit back and work, do my best. Yeah. Do my newsletter. See how the summer goes. Yep. And it was so freeing. And it ended up being like this really wonderful thing. And then I went into fall and I remember talking to my therapist and being like, I'm really afraid like fall starts and like summer, summer Anne has to go away. She's like, you know that you've always been that person and that there's nothing wrong with that person. That person's not a slacker. Yeah, yeah. It's just different ways of looking at work. Yeah. And that neither are bad, not not one, like my way of doing work is not better than your way of doing work. Right, right. And right. I think there's this idea sometimes where everyone's like, 
I can't pitch like eight outlets a day. I'm like, no, but you know what? I'm a freak of nature. So that's why I do things, but I can't be chill and I can't write long form interviews. Like I look at like, we'll use Carly's work. Like she had that really great long form with Emily Haynes. Yeah. I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. I don't have the patience to do that. Right. So I think like everyone is on like, it's, you just have to do what's like true to you. Yeah. And that's what's true to you. And maybe your sadness comes less from not knowing and more thinking you should know. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. I wrestle with it. I try not to wrestle with it anymore because it can really plague you and, and stop you from experiencing joy. And also mm. it can cause you to panic about what you're doing. And I mean, I don't know. I Yeah, I... I this wasn't supposed to be about me. We started off talking about how this wasn't going to be about But that's always, me. I feel like I, I also, it's not like I sat here being like, excuse me, Vish, I'd like to talk more about myself. Like, I think it's a conversation. And I think it's a yeah. good conversation because when I get emails from readers of like, that's what she said, the newsletter, it's always questions like this. Yeah. Like, how, like people beat themselves up because they aren't doing something the right way or they feel <clears throat> weird for being really ambitious or they feel like, like, and the funny thing is, it's not like people like you or like anyone we know has ever made me feel shitty for that. Yeah. It's always been random people off the internet, sure. random emails I've gotten, mm. um, just snide remarks from people that you're like, shut the fuck up. It's never been people that are actually like in the business we're in. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's that, like, that's like, I should probably make that quite clear. Cause otherwise people are going to be like, who made Anne feel like she couldn't? <laughs> and I'm like, no one in, no one in our industry has ever made me feel that way. Don't worry. But right. It's a very universal feeling of like feeling like you're treading water and you know there's land, but you're also like there's so much fog that you're like, but where's the land? Yeah, 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 totally. And then you... Um, have I wasted this life? Sometimes have, I think that. See, but that's the thing because I think like that. Do you ever think that? No. I think... That's I, good. But no, because I... And I even joke around this with my therapist where I'm like, I'm an egomaniac. Like where I am like, I'm, if you listen to Hamilton, you would be like, it's like, that's my mindset all the time where it's like, I have a million things I need to do. I have to get them done. Like, I don't, I like, I just know that there's a lot of stuff that I got to do. Me too. So yeah. I got to get like, we don't have time to wallow about anything right now. Yeah. And I'm the same. That's why I, I think I front load my week. Like I, I just load up. I'm like, I'm going to do all this stuff and I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to do it. And I go out, and then I put it out or whatever, and then you start to think, oh. We're good. We're good, Margo, yeah. Still slowly eating. Very slowly. We're almost done. Well, I'm slowly still eating. I think the interview's going okay. I learned a lot about myself. Oh, right on. I love that. And are you taking your sandwich to go for 4 o'clock? But what kind still, of what, what? Sorry, Anne, go ahead. I'm still eating a little bit, though. Yeah, okay. yeah, we're gonna be here a, a few more minutes. What kind of cake was that, by the way? The birthday cake. I heard a birthday celebration. Did you hear me sing it? Yeah. Is it your birthday? No. Is it your birthday? No, it's my son's birthday on July 29th. He's gonna be six. You should bring that boy in. We'll sing happy birthday. All right. Thank you, Margo. You're welcome. Yeah. I want to know more about your book. Wait, wait, did we finish our last thought? No. Margot came. Margot wants to be on this podcast. She is. She, she is, is on this podcast. She's the new host. Well, goodbye, Vish. <laughs> Speaking of imposter syndrome. Oh, it's, that's what it is. I think that's the word we're talking about. I think we're just talking wraparound about different ways of having imposter syndrome because there's certainly not one specific symptom of it. That's there's true. There's a million. That's and true. I know for a fact that the reason that I am like, Brain a million things. Oh, my God. Ah, is um, to circumvent it because I, if I have to keep ahead of it. 
Um, and I remember being like, like I said, like she was like, yeah, when I was talking about like Summer Anne and she was so chill and so fun. And then I was like very worried that I would go back to this anxious disaster of a person that I yeah. am sometimes. And then I think the biggest lesson though of all of it was like, we all, <laughs> we're all facets. Like we all, we're made up of so many different things and so many parts of ourselves. And only you have the past that you have, and only I have the past that I have. And like that's why our careers can never look the same. That's why we can't go about our careers the same way. Uh, because like all of it is relative to what you've already gone through. And I think like it's it can almost bleed into this weird tendency to compare that I think a lot I think in the arts especially where it's like, Well, this person's doing this and like I should be doing this. Yeah, there's a bit of comp there's a competitive aspect to it. And I hate that because also like I don't give a shit what like I think it's great that you have a TV show. I wasn't sitting there being like, Well, <sighs> I want a TV show. <laughs> Why would you having a TV show have anything to do with me? Nothing. You had me on. It was wonderful. Yeah, I got to good. wear a, a nice dress. You look lovely. Thank you. I dressed I, up because it was a late night I'm thing. I'm sorry all the photos that I posted online. Are the worst photos of I my face in the world? I don't know why that happened. Why? Is it because that is that how I look? No, you look fantastic. Okay. I thought you looked beautiful well, that thank night. thank you, but, but I, I really... But I don't know. I know. It was weird because I t tried to grab one from the editing bay. And it was supposed to be like a rough kind of Fucking still. Jay and Mal look great. Yeah. In every photo, and I look like I don't know what. I think it's someone's you're, mom. Not surprisingly, I think it's because you're talking in every photo. I love to talk. I think there was just no way to find a shot of you not talking. I feel bad because I did. I just remembered this. I think at because like um, Jay seems pretty quiet, like a quiet person. Yeah. And I believe I handed him my phone at the end of the night and was like, take a photo of me and Fish. <laughs> right. And then I made him take like nine. <laughs> and I was like, these aren't good enough. Do it again. And I, I just, and then I was like, you're in a band. What band are you in? And then he's like, Brave Shores. And I, and I hadn't heard of him. And I just went, oh, like I was, I feel like, oh my God, I didn't just send him like, a card one day to be like just so you know I was very nervous that I was going to shit my pants you had adrenaline adrenaline release turned you into a terrible but person but that's who I am I was like that's the worst part because after the fact I think I saw well I hung out with Nicole and Ashley and Sam and I had mentioned I was like I think I scared this poor person and they're like yeah but that's just who you are and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> that's true no, you were great I still maintain you were the best guest it well thank you very much yeah. I mean the moral of the story is we're very complicated, we're complex, we're yeah. flawed, we're messy, we're human disasters. And just because I operate this way doesn't mean anybody else should. Yeah. And everyone who is listening is, I'm sure, doing a great job. If yeah. you are just getting up and not being a prick to someone, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I don't get me wrong. I'm a, I am not nice sometimes, as you can probably gleam from I'm talking the same, to and that's what keeps me up at night. But I, oh, does that keep you up at night? Well, because I have this show and then the TV show. And what I see is uh, I struggle with my own likability. Really? Yeah. That's interesting because you're very, I feel like you're quite like. I liked. know, but I don't, I also don't think I am. That's just it. But you know what? If no I one was, is. Yeah, but if I was more likable, I think the, the things I make, because my guests are always amazing, interesting guests, but I am the... The, the you know, squeaky wheel. Well, I'm the common denominator in everything that I put out into the world. And again, in a metric-based uh, economy where you can okay. kind of see how things are doing, you're like, oh, my God, I had this amazing guest on, and they shared it, uh, the thing we made together, and it's doing pretty well, but I can't sustain that. Or I look at the YouTube views on the TV show, I'm like, oh, I think it's me. 
and I don't think I'm the most. And I, you know, I mean, clearly I have the drive to make things and do things all the time. And I'm willing to put myself in pretty nerve-wracking situations of being a public interviewer, like a, a live interviewer. You know, you'd think someone somewhere would be like, we need a guy like that who's good on their feet, is easily, you know, can be comfortable with people. And I'm not, you know, I, you know, it's that whole wait and see happen. I'm not looking for work actively because I have many jobs and I'm fine. Uh, but there's that element of like, I think I'm just not likable. Um, okay. But to that I say, think of how many actors have their shows canceled. Popular fucking people. Sure. Yeah. You know how many people wrote on Girlboss? It just got canceled after a season. So many people, yeah. like Kay Cannon created it. Yeah, yeah. Every, and also, no one is universally likable. That's an impossibility. I know, but I do feel like I maybe you bug it over that. Well, I feel like I've done a couple of things in public that some, whatever. I okay, don't know. let me just riddle you, riddle you this then. Say you are unlikable. Say people don't like you. So yeah. now what? Are you gonna change? No. This is who you are. So you either have to make peace with the fact that people don't like you. I don't think that's true though. I oh, you can't win over people. No, no. But listen to me. Like what I said earlier is like I think I've modified this show. To be a little less about me okay. and a little bit more about the guests. Like, I don't do any front of show monologue type, hey, my kid and I, I don't do that stuff anymore. It goes right to the guest wherever I can, unless there's some reason not to. But it goes right to the guest. And, and then during the conversations, I'm trying to really, really work on just listening and reacting to things that are being said. This has not been the best example of that, but you've encouraged me to talk, I think. It's what I do. Yes. So all of this to say is I think you can potentially, even if you don't inherently change, when you're a public person and you realize at some point that you might have some attributes that you're not happy with, that you're putting out in the world. Because, you know, one of the things about making a show like this one is I have to listen to myself every week editing myself you I don't know. mind listening to my voice I don't like watching myself but the instructive aspect of this is that I'm like oh I probably shouldn't fidget if I'm watching the TV show that we made together the episode we did I'll be like oh I probably shouldn't do that thing with my hands oh when I listen back I should probably not say uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah like what's that helping so you just it's work you are so critical of yourself when is your birthday <laughs> what's your birthday December 15th Sagittarius? Yeah. There's a lot going on. Do you know Josh Donaldson is a Sagittarius? I did not know that. And when you think about his perfectionist tendencies, they're kind of aligning with yours. Yeah, I, I'm not, I am a perfectionist, and, and I want to succeed. You I'm, can't be perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. You I'm might trying be to, a bit. No, I'm, well, okay. I'm trying to be as close to, to perfect her. as I can be. Oh, my God. But I want to be the best Vish. But you're already the best Vish. No, I can improve. This sounds terrifying. No, it's great. I, I'm... Oh, my God. No, you're happy with yourself, and I'm happy with myself, but I don't think I'm perfect. You know how you can learn something every day? You ever say that to a, a small child? Every no, day, you, I don't hang out with small children. Oh, yeah, I do. Sorry. I have, <laughs> I have, a, I have children. So I say, you know, because my son is really about winning and beating me at basketball and trying to be like... And beating you senseless. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, there's, you know, just because you did well at that thing, that you can always learn. You know, you have to kind of drive that home sometimes I think maybe I'm being a bad parent but like this notion of like you're never done learning something that's how I feel I don't think that's unhealthy I don't think that's mired in sadness I think there's a difference between I, I love th how this is literally turning into like I feel like my therapist right now I don't have a therapist you, well maybe that's no, step one that's why I have you on the show <laughs> every four years every it's four like, years it's like an Olympic trial of therapy, therapy. yeah 
Yeah. My therapist is cool. She like wraps a pashmina around herself and it'll be like, she doesn't know any of the pop culture references I'm making. So it's really great. <laughs> I'll be like, so-and-so said this to me. So like for this magazine and she's like, I don't know what that means, but right. that sounds great. And right. I'm like, that is great. Thank you. <laughs> Most of my close friends aren't even in our industry at all, but right, right, right. Which is refreshing. Yeah, because they don't give a shit. Sachi Cool, whose book is amazing, and I How will plug. How come I can't be friends with her? She, I want to be like, I want her on the show. Can you hook that up? Well, why don't you email her and ask her? I don't think she'll. I don't know how to email her. You email her. What's her email? It's like tell us. Uh, tell us on her email. <laughs> tell on the internet. I'll give you her email. Yeah, give me, and then I, you can just reach out I to her. I feel like uh, we are brown people that would probably have a good conversation. I mean. She's one of my favorite people on the planet. And you I think cite her all the time. She's so smart and funny. And yeah. she's been a big life raft writing this book because she warned me about how all of these feelings would happen. Because I don't have emotions. <laughs> I do, but I'm very good at like... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Just for people listening, what is the book? It's called Nobody Cares. And it's um, out with ECW next September, so 2018. And it's, it's due in two weeks. It's due in two weeks, and you're having breakfast with me at the Fifties Diner. Okay, mm-hmm. that's very kind of you. Sorry, I I don't mean to stress you out. But no, what it's is fine. The, before you talk about Sachi, mm-hmm. because I've been trying to get this uh, get to this mm-hmm. point about your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the book? Um, so, if you have if you've read my newsletter, it's called That's What She Said, and it comes out every week, and I write an essay or a list about shit going down. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's the most personal writing I do. Um, because I don't really like to write about my personal life very much. Yeah. So um, it's basically Jen and Christy at ECW emailed me and were like, do you want to come in and talk about maybe making a book out of this? So it's essays and lists, much like the newsletter, but they're all new. And it's about like the messiness of being a growing, a grown-up person. <laughs> Just right. how life is the worst. I, I, always, I always, I like to say... Life is terrible, and we're all the worst. And um, I think you need to accept that before you can try it. And, you think, I, and you think I'm sad? Mm, I mean, this is the thing, though. You have like I'm not. I mean, there's a, obviously I think enough has happened in my life that I do, of course, have the sad lantern that most people do. Yeah. I just choose to like where you are more inward. I choose to be like. Fine, I'll use this sad lantern to light my fucking way. Like, here we go. Like, I'm going to embrace the sad lantern. But I also think that I have a thing where people will, and I know this is a bad attribute, where I'd like to be right. I'm always right, and I don't doubt myself. Just kidding. I do doubt myself constantly. Right, but, but, but I, I think that this, I, at some point in my, early, probably in my teens, at a formative time, I began to recognize that as much as I related to people who expressed hope in their work, and I tend to get behind those people, whatever, whoever they are, musicians, authors. I think I gravitate towards people who express hope because I fundamentally think the world is not a good place. And that is coming to pass on a level that I could not have possibly conceived of. But then when you think about the protests, right? Like, say you're thinking about, like, we're talking about the U.S. government, I'm assuming. I mean, I'm, I'm probably already about, on a non list. I'm sorry. I'm not, I didn't mean to cut you off about your book, but I'm talking about, no, I'm not just talking about the U.S. government. I think with every week, we hear of some example of a human being doing something so reprehensible that it confirms for me this view of the world as being, and I have children, like, I can't, 
have to be hopeful. Well, I but feel... But there's so many ways that the world confirms itself. The world has a, always been bad, though. Like, this isn't new. The only new thing is that the way that it's reported, which is constantly. It was always bad. It has never been good. The world has right. always been bad. Good people have existed in the world. And but, then they work to do things that make certain things better. But then other bad things are happening elsewhere. The right. difference is we're consuming it at a different rate. Right, but my... If I'm... Again, I think... I don't know if you have this, but... The conflict I have in my everyday life is this cynicism and hope fighting each other. No, I do not actually as 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 like everybody's terrible and I hate everyone as I am sometimes. Um, I genuinely don't feel cynical. Like it's like I genuinely like look there's so much like even watching like like Black Lives Matter on the Pride March yesterday where you're just like, fuck, like look at like that is how like look at that activism getting yeah. shit done. Yeah. Like you cannot be cynical when you're like, of course there is way more to go. Of course, fuck I mean it's great that Trudeau was in the parade. Not great that he's not doing a bunch of shit he said he was gonna do. Yeah. But it's also like there are always gonna be things that are bad that you notice, but it's like you have to think about the fact that like people are always fighting. We might just not see it as much as we're seeing the bad stuff. You can't lose, like, it's like you can't surrender to that. Otherwise, you might as well honestly walk into the ocean right now. So your new book is a collection of essays that kind of absorbs what some we, of that. I think what it's basically is like this podcast, but in book form. <laughs> Good. Well, see, now you got a book deal. I got nothing. No, no. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's um, very, it's, it's like it goes talks about a lot of things it's raw it's honest it's yeah, a, but it's analytical like, kind of yeah i mean i'm not a sensationalist so i don't really write like gratuitous like anything like in terms of like i'm not going to detail what i was drinking you know what i mean like that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. um but it's mostly like um yeah, I, sorry, I just got distracted by someone in scrubs. Like, I was like, wait, what are you doing here? Um, is someone sick? It's fine. It's oh, like now. a nurse or a, a surgeon yeah. just walked in? Was... Probably. Oh, yeah, I think I'm done, Margo. Um, not this. All right, but just your the, sandwich? Just the sandwich, please. Margo. Um, the regular kind. Whatever's well, regular. Regular to me is medium. Sure. Lean is for all the very yeah. healthy people. Let's do medium. Let's do medium. Right. This is smoked meat, right? Yes, it is. Okay, do you sick. want the rye on this side since you're not having it? No, it? we'll keep it in there. We'll let it soak up the, right. the meat juices. All right. Do you want to try one of these? No, no, I'm good. I'm quite full. I couldn't even eat all my rye toast and it was delicious. I saw that. The omelet was just perfect. I will tell the whoever. Did you make it? No. Tell whoever made it. Just beautiful. I will. Why His would, name's Andy. Why would Margo make the omelet? I was just making a, a, oh, yeah. a little comedic <laughs> observation. Traits, right? She's the hostess with the mostest. She makes everything. Yeah, I feel like um, the book is... I, I mean, I'm so far proud of... So far, it's, I mean, God, talking about it two weeks out, I'm like, I don't know. It's turned me... Like, at this point, book writing has... I was already at the point, I think, after some of the events of the winter where I was like I don't give a shit anymore like I care about my friends and my family and like doing a good job and helping the world but like there's just certain pretenses I'm like oh who gives a fuck I don't care and so I think like I'll tell you if I don't like you to your face and I won't feel bad about it like right, that like right. uh, fully but I think that comes with like going through a lot of shit and so anywho the book had like writing this has stripped what was left of me having any filter and it's just like it's gone now where if somebody's like do you like so-and-so and i don't i'm like no really <laughs> yeah that's so, fascinating it's like it's i think like that was like my kick into like that's again where i've been like i am writing like i am proud of my ambition i am 
I do like myself. I don't mind that I'm like a little, like I'm demanding and I am like Angelica from Rugrats. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, it feels like it was like the process of writing all that stuff too. And I'm, I'm like, you're writing these memories that are like, you never thought you'd have to write about because you, you propose an angle. Like we were like, Oh, I'll write about this thing. And then you realize no one knows you who's yeah. reading this. Yeah. So now you have to go into the backstory right. that has a backstory. And then all of a sudden you're unearthing things that happened 15 years ago that you're like, oh, fuck. All right. Let's do this. Right. Like, I feel like I should be like a 97 year old woman chain smoking at a bar right now. Just being like, I don't know, man. I've seen some shit. Like, that's how it feels. And yeah. they actually warned me about all of it. Shake like, last month, you'll feel crazy. And I was like, I don't think so. And now I'm like, I feel crazy. <laughs> I stared at everyone angrily in a coffee shop the other day. Just like, how fucking dare any of you be here while I am here. And then like you get in the car and like a song comes on the radio. And I don't cry. Like I have to remember to cry sometimes. Like where I'm like, I haven't cried in like a month and a half. Maybe I should cry. So I'll watch a movie and be like, okay, I'll cry. There, I cried. Oh, you need to cry? I'm not a crier. I don't like crying, but sometimes I feel like after like two months, if it, like there being a lot of emotional stuff happening, yeah, I'll yeah. be like, okay, well, I feel this movie's sad. This can be my cry, I guess. When I have cried, I do feel better. I know. I, I wish I was one of those people that like, I don't like being, like when I like, I think about like the whole <laughs> December's like visitation, it was like visitation and like all that stuff. Mm. And all of our family's like me. So we're not crying. We're just like making jokes and like walking. Yeah. And it's like, I don't like being hugged. People kept trying to come up and be like, hi. And I'm like, don't, no, stop it. Don't touch me. Right. I'm very upset. Right. Leave me alone. Right. Um, but I'm going to make a joke about it and you'll never know because that's what I do best. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like it's writing a book is like the most boring thing to talk about. Um, <laughs> and it is also the most boring thing to listen to. And I'm very excited for it to be over. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited to hopefully do it again. It's just like training for anything, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, like, no one cares about the process of writing. I don't want to read anybody's... Like, you know what I mean when people are like, let me tell you about writing. I'm like, it's not great. I don't know. I like doing it, but I hate it. It's fine. It's you're you're going to miss the book writing once it's done, I think. It's going to be a void in your life. Even though you say it now, you can't yeah. wait to get it done. Well, I have a year of editing ahead of me. Oh, okay. So I feel like... Yeah, you're not really And then by the time that. the book comes out, I'm like, I want to write another one. Yes, um, exactly. But it's like just the process of like... But then it's like as soon as you do complain, you're like, fuck that. There's like, oh, complain? Really? Oh, you, you have to write a book. How hard is that? <laughs> Shut up. No one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, Vish. Is that what it's called? That's literally what it's called. Nobody cares. Well, uh, so you're focused on the book. Is there anything else coming up that we should know about? Anything to look out for in the world of Auntie Donahue? Um, oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> the book is really... That's like the further... Like, I've tur like again, it's just turned me into like the worst person. You might have a podcast related maybe, to the book. Maybe. Yeah. It's a lot. There's a lot of steps there yeah. still that I'm like, it's fine. Again, see, that's what I mean. I've lost the like... I have like the um, the ambition of wanting to do stuff. But before, I feel like a year ago, I'd be like, oh, what if it doesn't work? Well, it's like, well, then it doesn't work. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. That's good. It's a good outlook. You seem like you're in good you're in good shape. I feel good. I like thing. I like my, I like myself and my life, um, which is nice because I didn't for a very long time and it was very self-destructive. So it's kind of nice to be like, oh, I don't want to blow it all up. That's what a weird feeling. <laughs> <laughs> this is so weird to not set fire to everything happening around me. Right. Oh, we got the bill. All right. Oh. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.
You did ask what that brownie Did you was. want a brownie? No, no. Sundays, chocolate, strawberry, vanilla. I, I could barely finish my breakfast. It's it was true. so big. He did not finish yeah, his breakfast. I'm sorry. On a normal day, I'd say you're not allowed dessert. Uh, you would say, you would tell me I wouldn't be allowed to have dessert? I would. If you don't eat all your breakfast. Yeah, I'm if you just get kidding. it together. Thank you, Margo. Thank you. Oh. oh, I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm fine. Thank you. I this was great. This was great. Was it? I feel like I like. I feel like did I no. paint myself as like the worst, most unlikable person? Oh my god! Probably. No, I meant the breakfast was great. Oh, you were okay. The breakfast. <laughs> no, the breakfast was great. No, you. Uh, this was good. I appreciate your observations about. Did you love it? Did everybody love Vish's therapy session? I hope so. I don't they often did. have these anymore because I changed the show. You did change the and show. And now it changed back to 2013. No. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I We're feel like, back oh time. my God, it feels like forever ago. That was forever ago. Yeah, it was. It was a very long time ago. A lot has happened in that time. It's true. I'm very glad that era is over. Yeah. Burn it to the ground. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, we continue the misery marathon of 2017. Where can people learn more about Auntie Donahue? You can find me on Twitter at Auntie Donahue. And then honestly, everything's there. Like yeah. it's just there. Go just there go there. And then you'll I hate it. when people plug like 19 things. It's like I'm not writing this down. Like I'm in, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm in my car. Like who the fuck are you people? Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay, well people go follow Anne on Twitter and all the other stuff. And, and in the meantime I'll be uh eating these mints. Did she put it all in one bill? Yeah, we'll Am I treating s- you to breakfast? Is that how this No, is? I can split we can split it I'll up. get your breakfast for you. You don't have to do that. Let everyone on the internet know. Wow, that was very generous, Anne. I'm very generous. I may tell you to your face that I think you're a dick, but I will buy anyone breakfast. You've never <gasps> said that to me. Not you. I meant you. Oh, General okay. you. Right. It's Cambridge. You're gro- <laughs> if you stick around here long enough, you just have no, you're just, the brass veneer is over. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I had to get out. I think it was hardening me too much. I had oh. to go to a hippie Guelph. And oh, th- and I hate Guelph. <laughs> 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 I like two stores there, and then I'm like, I gotta go. People yeah. here care way too much about. We care things. a lot about yeah. stuff, and it's important. But we care too. It's just like if you were to confront us, so, so if you were to confront somebody that lived in Guelph, they'd be like, "What's the matter, man? Why can't we get along?" When in Cambridge, you'd be like, "Do you think you're fucking better than me? I'll fight you in this parking yeah. lot." And I love that. Okay, well, that's maybe where. And we... it's usually in the parking lot across from where I grew up, so I'm fine <laughs> with that too. <laughs> and thank you so much for your time and You're being welcome. on the show and being you and I, I wish you the best of luck thanks you for acting like I'll never talk to you again we probably won't no goodbye It'll forever four years I won't talk to you for four more years you come back on the show oh, fantastic well goodbye internet thanks Anne bye you've been listening to the 340th episode of the creative control podcast which is available on iTunes Audio Boom, Google Play Stitcher TuneIn Overcast, and all your finest podcast platforms. For more information about the show and to access every single episode, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control with Vishkana on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at vishcreative. I'm at vishkana, by the way. Follow me, too. And you can listen to our version of this show every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca, or if you're in the area, 93.3 FM on your radio dial. Also, go to patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep the podcast going. I have a kind of quiet campaign. I, I haven't really talked about it too much, but I'm, I'm hoping to upgrade some equipment, recording equipment, uh, actually get a proper recording uh, set up for multiple people interviews. I'm sure you've heard some of our 
band interviews recently. I know I did a couple in a row, and I kind of could tell it wasn't. I, I couldn't do anything. The people who were on the show were. Uh, I let them record things, and I it wasn't the best. It could have been a little bit better, and I'd like to improve. So if you want to help the show sound better, sometimes mostly sounds pretty good, I think. But when I'm out in the field, it's a little tricky. Donate, pledge. I guess is the correct phrase. Patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation, and uh, it would mean a lot to me. This episode would not be possible without our sponsors, Pizza Trocadero, whom you can call for pickup or delivery in Guelph at 519-829-2444. Check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. Fine, fine pizza. Ah, The Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, and movie theater located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade certified organic coffee. For more information, visit planetbeancoffee.com. And, of course, Granddad's Donuts, located at 574 James Street North in Hamilton, Ontario. Amazing, old-fashioned, giant donuts. I I love these donuts. i got to stop eating them. But I'm not going to, because they're great. Visit granddads.ca more information. I only said that because I sometimes worry I eat too many donuts. Anyway, they're great. Granddads.ca. Alright, that's it for another episode of this show. Thanks to Auntie Donahue for setting me straight and talking to me and uh, and that's all I have to say. What a, She's wonderful. I love Anne. I'm glad we're friends. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.